Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 411 from 406. My name is Chewy, and that is my brother from another mother, Mr. Pip. How are you, sir? Ah, I am fantastic tonight, man. I feel like we just talked, but I think that's a good thing. I think we need to really plow into 2024 with the intention of getting to that 100th episode. And and this is a good start for us. This is because uh, we're, we're only a couple days into the new year at this point. Yeah, this is this is super cool. So yeah, we um we recorded episode 84 on I believe it was December 27th and as we sit here tonight it is January 11th. So yeah, this is um I mean just just that alone being a couple weeks from one episode to the other. Uh, we didn't do great the back half of the year of of being consistent. So yeah. just just the fact that we're sitting down I think is awesome. And and I wanted to tell you, I, I wanted to kind of spring this on you a little bit. I actually, when we got off the last episode, I actually recorded, I don't know, we probably talked for another 20 minutes or so after that episode. And I thought it would be kind of cool to go and and not edit that, but just kind of put that out as kind of a bonus a bonus podcast. Uh, so I have that, no, I have, I don't remember what we talked about. I have no idea, but I have that recording. So that, that would be awesome. Yeah. Memories get a little fuzzy towards the yeah. end of the podcast, which is a nice little perk of, uh, you know, getting to listen to ourselves talk is that uh, I end up having a few drinks and then kind of forgetting what we talked about. So I listened back to the podcast and uh, I was like, Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, so since, since we talked last uh, happy new year. It's, it's 2024. We made Same it to another one. Um, did you guys, did you guys do anything interesting or, or exciting for new year's Eve or just kind of hang out with the girls? Now we just kind of hung out with yeah. some friends and neighbors and yeah, new year's is very different than it was 20 years ago. I mean, yeah. I, we're, we were in bed by 1205. It was, we're, uh, yeah, yeah, we, the ball dropped, we booted everybody out and we ran straight to bed and it was, it, 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 it was a struggle. Like I embarrassed yeah. to admit that it's harder to get, uh, it's harder to get myself to stay up late these days. Um, but it, you know, we had a great time. We have some some really fun and great neighbors that we've made friends with over the years and, and some other friends that we've met through uh, school, you know, daycare and all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty calm. It was pretty chill. We played some games, watched TV, had a few drinks, had a shit ton of food and it was fun. How about you guys? Uh, yeah, we, we were very low key as well. Um, my oldest son went, went out to a party, so he wasn't here. And so I had two of my boys here and then my in-laws came over and we did, uh, we made fondue for dinner. So we just like had multiple courses. So we did cheese and then we did the main course and the, and the chocolate and kind of did the whole thing and just nice. kind of, yeah, just watched some football and watched some TV and just kind of hung out. It was nice. It was super low key. Um, I think my in-laws left at 12, 15 or 12 30 and yeah, it was, it was nice. It was, um, I, I didn't really want anything else this year. It was, it's been an interesting uh, year and uh, I was I was ready to just kind of let it go, yeah, and uh, right. and just kind of you know and just kind of move on. So uh, yeah, yeah it was it was good. Yeah, good. Well, that's awesome to hear. So I'm curious. I wanted to ask you a question. It's kind of off off script here, but I'm yeah. I was curious because obviously this is a podcast, and you and I probably both listen to 
you know, a number of podcasts on and off, uh, maybe some religiously, some not. But I'm curious to know, like, what other podcasts do you like to listen? Do you have regular podcasts that you listen to? And if not, uh, has there been anything you stumbled on lately that you really like? Because I found one that I'm just absolutely head over heels for. It was a short run series I'll I'll talk about, but I wanted to get okay. your perspective on that first. To answer your question, I do have a couple that I listen to pretty religiously, and then a couple more that I will kind of dip in and out of depending on the episode or depending on the topic. And then I've got a couple others that I will just kind of snipe, pick and choose. So regular listeners, I listen to Real Coffee with Scott Adams. Scott Adams is the um, the creator of Dilbert. And he got himself in, he's like, he, these days he's kind of turned into a political commentator. He got himself into some pretty, pretty hot water last year where he effectively got canceled because he said some, what was portrayed as some pretty racist stuff. He's, if you listen to him, he's really not at all. But I, I get a lot of my kind of political news from him. I listened to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Yes. And, and Conrad Thompson. Yeah. yeah. So I listened to that. I will listen occasionally to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. I, you know, I'm not, it's a very similar show to, to uh, something to wrestle. You know, I'm, I'm a bigger WWE fan than I am at WCW. So that's why I kind of pick and choose that one. I listen to talk scary to me with uh, uh, yes. Dan Daniel, Daniel Harris and Scott Thompson. And I listen to uh, the Gary Vaynerchuk, which is uh, all about um, business and marketing and, and that kind of stuff. Okay. Those are my, those are my regular. And then I will, um, Joe Rogan, I will listen to on occasion, just depending on the guest that he's got and what topic he's talking about. Sure. Yeah. How about yourself? You, you said you found something that really kind of piqued your interest. I did. Um, I found this, uh, it's not new. It's I think at least a couple of years old at this point, maybe 2020 is when it came out. I'm not entirely sure, but it's called whistleblower and it's the, basically the, uh, I think maybe a 10 episode series. It's the story of Tim Donaghy, who is the disgraced uh, referee, the NBA oh. referee that got caught betting on his own games and basically how deep that whole scandal goes, which I thought was really incredibly interesting. I mean, I've been a basketball fan all my life and in my relationship with the NBA has sort of waned considerably over the years, but I certainly remember this story. I mean, it was the biggest story, the biggest controversy probably to ever hit the NBA and you know, this podcast, they actually interview Tim Donaghy. They interview uh, Rashid Wallace, who was a basketball player who who had some <laughs> beef with Donaghy. They interviewed various uh, people who were involved with the case. They in interviewed the, uh, I'm not going to remember all the names, but ba basically his partner in crime, the one that he was doing all the betting with because he had a, a really close buddy who was a bookie. And this is, of course, back in i think it was at its height around the early 2000s before internet gambling and before sports betting was legal in a lot of places and so the way that they did a lot of the stuff that they did was just really super interesting to me and then of course the uh, you know the the scandal broke or eventually it got to the point where the fbi found out about it and they were going to use Donaghy as an, an informant, basically, to try to figure out how big and how wide this thing was. And a couple, like within a week of, of that happening, the story got leaked to the New York Times. 
and everybody knew about it and then everybody shut up so the fbi couldn't use him as an informant and and the fbi they inter actually interviewed somebody from the fbi who was highly involved in this case who's who's a bit of a recluse and they you know they had trouble finding him but he was he's this well-known fbi agent who like took down the gambino family and and just like all kinds of stuff and uh basically his his take on the whole thing is that the nba covered all this up because you know what donaghy had said when he got in trouble was basically look yeah i did all these things but you should see what's going on behind the doors with the nba because they're basically telling the refs what teams to get into the playoffs and into the finals because it's really you know, the, the bigger the markets the more money yeah. they get with advertising dollars so it, it benefits them to get the lakers in versus teams like the sacramento kings in fact that was one of the the big examples that they talked about i'm sure you don't remember and i had to jog my memory too but in the 2002 western conference finals it was uh, the Sacramento Kings, which had like Chris Weber and and some other players against the Lakers, which was at that time Shaq and Kobe. But they called like 26 fouls or something obnoxious on the Kings in the fourth quarter alone. And and at one point, Kobe Bryant threw his elbow and broke Mike Bibby's nose and they called a foul on Mike Bibby. And it was just like, it I was, actually remember that. I remember it, that. Yeah, it was. It's known to be one of the worst officiated games of all time. And Tim Donaghy, I believe, was refing that game. And, you know, he's come out I, that one. I might be wrong on. I'm not entirely sure. But basically, he's he said, yeah, I mean, like, like the NBA will do what they need to do to manufacture the right team getting into the game. And they made a lot of comparisons to professional wrestling. It's like, well, at that point, it's not sport. It's sports entertainment because they're predetermining the outcome. So I, I'm getting ready to listen to the last episode of it. And, and nobody really comes out looking like a good guy, but you know, guys like David Stern, who, who was the commissioner of the NBA for a very long time, he passed away uh, in, in recent years, but you know, the stories that are coming out about him are pretty cruel, pretty vicious in terms of how uh, he strong-armed a lot of people and how that there were people even above the NBA's level from a from a government perspective that did not want this case to go to court, that did not want Donaghy oh, wow. to be able to testify because if he did, then he would have put the NBA on trial. And, you know, they talk a lot about Mark Cuban, who is obviously a very outspoken owner of the Dallas mm -hmm. Mavericks. And because, you know, he's had a lot to say about the referees. It doesn't understand why the... NBA referees are employed by the NBA seems like a bit of a conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that that's a, a very long rambling review, but I, if you're into that kind of conspiracy stuff and it doesn't really seem much like a conspiracy, it seems like a flat out, you know, it, it seems very it objective. Yeah. It did happen. And somehow the NBA swept a lot of their discretions under, or excuse me, a lot of their transgressions under the rug and never got in trouble for it. Nothing ever came of it. Wow. In fact, David Stern, this is the most interesting part of the podcast, in my opinion, was the FBI met with David Stern to sit down and talk about it. And David Stern's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to be super cooperative. I'm going to do, I'm going to give you guys everything you need. And then less than a week later, David Stern went to all of the media corporations that he had negotiated contracts with for the for the TV rights and renewed them for billions of dollars and and they weren't expired yet they had they were like a year away from expiring but as soon as David Stern saw the writing on the wall that the NBA could be in a lot of trouble he went to all these major networks and renewed all his contracts 
because he knew wow. that they couldn't get out of him when this shit and that he didn't he didn't disclose any of this. This was before, you know, the the Tim Donaghy stuff hit the papers and and before it became public knowledge. So he didn't disclose any of it and ended up making wow. a hell of a lot of money off of it. So there's a lot of shady stuff going on there. And I just thought it was a really interesting podcast. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, that that is I mean, you talk about kind of conspiracy theory like that. That sort of stuff is right up my alley. I absolutely love that stuff, which is part of the reason that I enjoy some of the podcasts that I do. Um, you mentioned Mark Cuban, ironically enough. So he just sold the Mavericks. Yeah. Um, and there, there is a, it's funny. One of the podcasts that I listen to has a, has a theory, I guess, that they believe that uh, the reason he did that is because he is kind of the in emergency break glass potential democratic candidate for president of the United States in oh, 2024. Wow. That's crazy. Um, th yeah, their 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 theory, and actually, it might sound crazy when I relay it, but like if you if you listen to the kind of like why they get there, they don't believe Joe Biden is going to run um, for reasons whether he's old or what have you. They don't believe somebody like Gavin Newsom out of California will run, and their the idea is, hey, we need somebody that is you know, doesn't have a lot of baggage from a political standpoint and Cuban might be that kind of guy. So I don't know. It would, it would be interesting. You know, it'd be interesting to have a, an Indiana Hoosier. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, in, in, in the white house. Um, dude, it, this, this is hilarious that, and I can, I could promise our listeners that we did not talk about this because no, it's hilarious. Literally an hour before we started recording, I actually reached out to one of the, the, the podcasters that I listened to the most from way back in the day. And I was asking them questions and I actually got for you some rapid fire questions from them. Do you remember the show, the star Joe's podcast? Uh, you ever I, listen to that once or twice, but yeah, okay. I am familiar with star Joe's, but I, okay. I wasn't as involved with the podcast. So, so star Joe's and they're, they're still around. They've been going, I mean, maybe God, 10 years close to 10 years now i'd have to go back and figure it out nice. but they basically Good for them. They, yeah they talk about all things star wars gi joe kind of all the properties from you know that we that we know and love thundercats and transformers and all this kind of stuff and they had a list of questions that they would ask every single one of their guests as they would come on mm. and i thought and i thought it would be kind of cool i was like hey do you guys have that list of questions handy and I'm going to ask you that list of questions. So I just think that is nice. super ironic that that you brought up podcast tonight on it. Literally an hour ago, I was talking to these guys, getting these questions. So, so these are rapid fire questions. I have not talked to you about this. I'm totally taking you off guard. So nice. this is just I kind of like shit. yeah. So this is just kind of like Rorschach test kind of things. Quick answer off the top of your head. There's about ten of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Here we go. Star Wars or Star Trek? <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, Star Wars, of course. Star Wars. Okay. Autobots or Decepticons? Uh, Autobots. Autobots. G.I. Joe or Cobra? Cobra. Duke or Flint? I liked Flint better as an action figure, so I'll go with Flint. Okay. Cake or pie? <laughs> cake or pie? Uh, cake or ca pie? Cake. 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 Okay. Yeah. Hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. C-3PO or R2-D2? 
Oh, shit. Probably R2-D2. Okay. Um, Masters of the Universe or Thundercats? Masters of the Universe. Okay. Cobra Commander or Destro? Definitely Cobra Commander. Cobra Commander. Okay. And then the final one is, is Chewbacca a sidekick? Or is he a partner? Yes, I think he's a sidekick. I was a sidekick. I would classify him as a sidekick only because he doesn't really have a storyline. I mean, I think in order for them to be partners, they would have to have equitable storylines or okay. equitable cachet within the universe. And I don't think anybody, I mean, it doesn't help that he doesn't speak in a language right. that has ever been translated. So who knows? But I don't know that you could make a series about Chewbacca because he doesn't communicate as fluently as the rest of the world, which is, you know, which is ironic because I chose R2-D2 over C-3PO, but, you know, R2-D2 is less annoying. C-3PO is just a little bitch. For sure. But um, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, rapid fire. That'd be my answers. Okay. No, that's fair. Those are cool. I like that though. That's really fun. Yeah, they did. Like I said, they they would ask the the same those that same ten or whatever questions to every single um, guest that they had on, and I was just like, I was just thinking about that tonight. So I reached out to them, and ironically, we're talking other podcasts tonight. So that's from Star Joe's. Shout out to Ryan and Chuck. Those are they are the kind of originators of that. They are both uh, local Cleveland guys. I've met both of them, hung out with them. Nice. Awesome guys. Yeah, they are uh, super cool. So if you guys are looking for like an '80s themed podcast, Star Joe's is the one to go to. That's very cool. I love that. So, um, so on to tonight's topic, which I'm going to let you introduce, but I am so excited about this. Um, we were talking before the podcast. I'm shocked that we are 85 episodes in and we haven't done this. I, it, it just seems like something we would have done before now. Yeah. So I texted you earlier and I'm like, dude, I want to podcast tonight. I know we just did this. Like I guess it was two weeks ago at this point, but I'm, I don't know. Like I just got a kind of a fire and, and wanted to kind of have like some fun conversation slash debate over, uh, you know, some familiar territory for us. And, I, it, and you said, yeah, sure. You know, like, let's do it. But what are we going to talk about? And which is always my least favorite question. Cause I'm like, ah, crap, what are we going to talk about? Cause I don't ever really care. I just want something to talk about. And then it just sort of hit me like a, like a bolt of lightning. What did you say? A bolt of lightning. It was, uh, it, why not talk about, we haven't done music in a while. So how about we talk about our top five favorite soundtracks? This has been the, the clumsiest segue because we, we couldn't really go from podcast into soundtracks pretty smoothly. But, you know, for those younger listeners out there who may not know what the hell a soundtrack is, back in the 80s, this used to be the best ways to sort of distribute various types of music to the listener um you know from from the movies that they were a part of and you know i we sit here in 2024 now and and soundtracks aren't really a thing anymore i mean the way that we consume music is very different than we did in the past you can make your own playlists on your own applications and things like that so it it doesn't it doesn't translate as well but back in the day man soundtracks meant the world to to the music buying audience in my opinion and the bigger the movie the bigger the soundtrack it 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 seemed like at the time so i thought why not just get together and talk about this and and the my favorite part of doing these top five lists isn't coming up with my top five it's 
un, it, it's seeing how close we are to having a similar list or to hearing, you know, hearing you or hearing me say something like, oh, geez, I didn't even think about that. Like that one totally flew off my radar. Didn't even didn't even register. So so that's so that's what we're going to do. tonight. We're going to do our top five favorite soundtracks of all time. Now, there are caveats that we need to call out and, and please help me with these if I miss anything. So I've talked on this podcast about being a devout fan of movie scores so, uh, you know, artists like John Williams or James Horner or, you know, Jerry Goldsmith, the list goes on. I will listen to a symphonic score from a movie from beginning to end. But that is not what we're talking about tonight. We are specifically talking about movie soundtracks where the majority of the album is comprised of songs, rock songs, rap songs, whatever it is, country songs. It can be anything they can have orchestral or symphonic or scores on the soundtrack but they can't be the score so like star wars is a great example right we can't say star wars for this there's not a song in star wars that doesn't involve a a, a puppet and a band right so so that doesn't that's not included that's not factored into this perhaps we could do that at another time which i would be really geeked out for but this is really more for albums that had you know 10 to 15 songs on them most of the time with different artists, but not always. And um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of it. Did I miss anything there though? Uh, no, you didn't. Um, the, the only other thing that I kind of held myself to, um, I disqualified soundtracks where, and this is going to sound weird, but hopefully you'll understand what I'm saying where music was a major part of the, uh, of the movie and where they, I, I tried not to, to choose soundtracks where it was just a, um, a groupings of songs that had already existed, like throughout the years. The one that okay. comes to mind is Forrest Gump. I didn't use Forrest Gump okay, th- because you know, that was effectively, a greatest hits of the sixties and seventies. That's, that's fair. I, yeah. I will say that there. There's are... probably one that'll show up on your list that I, that I, yeah. I disqualified for the same reason, but that, that was, there are my, actually that was... two on my list that Is I there... would put okay. in that category, but I've, I've got some commentary around why I think those albums are important or why they can be important. But if you didn't put those on, that's also totally fair. I did not put Forrest Gump on mine because I agree. Cause it just seems like, well, let's just pick the best songs out of the best decades. Right. That's not, doesn't really take any effort and it doesn't really, doesn't really, it, it doesn't improve the quality of the movie just to right. have a bunch of popular songs. I would exactly. much prefer a soundtrack full of songs I've never heard of, but I really love the songs because they remind me of the movie. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's the only caveats. Um, I, I will say that this list made me feel really old and, <laughs> and you'll understand why in a couple minutes. Do you have all- any soundtracks on this list that were, uh, released after the year 2000? I do not. Okay. Neither do I. In, in, in fact, um, with the exception of my honorable mention, which I did get down to one. That's every, tough. Every film on every soundtrack on my list is from a three year 
period. Can I guess that's the period? What? Sure. Is it 84, 85, and 86? It is 84, is... 85, and 86. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay, we may have yes, some overlap is. here. That's yes. fair. So so this is why. So, okay, so speaking of that, how, how many... Um, I think we're going to have uh, 84, 85. I'll put the over under at two. What do you think? Are we going to have more than two two? or two and a half? You got to, you got to. Okay. Two and a half to make it hard. Over under. Under. I think we're going to be So you think two. I think two. two. You think one or two? Okay. I do. I do. Based off, well, I'm cheating a little bit because you already told me your time range. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I do think, even if you hadn't told me that, I think two would have been my guess. Okay. All right. That's fair. So, so before we get started, though, I wanted to yeah. show this to you because I, I love this. And of course, nobody else can see this, but I'll show it to you. So in my basement, I have a box that I've been carrying around for the last 15 years of my life that has uh, held my ever precious collection of CDs, not just any CDs, but uh, mostly my bootlegs, which that mm-hmm. hey, that's a whole other episode, favorite bootlegs. But uh, it's got a lot of my soundtracks in there, too. So I went down there today to go look through there just to see if there was anything that uh, sparked my interest. And I don't have anything here that is going to be on my list, but there were some here that I'm like, holy shit, I kind of forgot about these that are actually really good. And I'm somewhat confident they won't appear on your list, but I'm going to go ahead and show them to you because we're on a Zoom right now. But right here is the secret of my success. Oh, that's great. That's great. Which is a fucking great soundtrack. Now, this is gonna, not going to be in anybody's top 400. Anything, yeah. But yeah. it's got, you know, songs. Well, it's got the title track uh, by Night Ranger, which is one of my favorite fucking Night Ranger songs of all time. Night Ranger, highly underrated. But it's got Pat Benatar on it, who, in yep. my opinion, is one of the greatest female vocalists of all time. Roger Daltrey and a couple of songs by David Foster, who is a very well-renowned composer and songwriter. And, and those are orchestral pieces, but great songs on that one. So that's one. You mentioned, you mentioned Pat Benatar. She turned 71 yesterday. I fucking love Pat, Pat Benatar. I would yeah, go, too. I would go anywhere to see her right now. She played at the, uh, the state fairgrounds like a year or two ago when it was a free show and I couldn't go because I was traveling out of town. I was brokenhearted. She's yeah. got some great soundtrack songs, by the way. Uh, the album PCU, I don't know if you remember oh, yeah. this movie. Yes. This this album is single-handedly responsible for triggering the love that I have for George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic because there are yes. some great George Clinton songs on here. I don't know that this is a great soundtrack from top to bottom, but I credit that from, from bringing uh, George into my life. John Bon Jovi, Young Guns 2. Nice. This That's... fucking soundtrack is unbelievable. And I had to really think about whether I wanted to bump something on my list. But this is good. I mean, Blaze of Glory is super popular. But I mean, from beginning to end, this has got a lot of shit on there. And he had a lot of players on this album. He had a lot of people that you know that uh, that participated. Stand By Me. Uh, wow, it's what a soundtrack. Yeah. This soundtrack introduced me to an entire genre of music because this movie came out in, when was it? 1986? Jesus Christ. Yeah. So in 86, I was 10 years old and I'm hearing songs like Buddy Holly, 
or, or bands like Buddy Holly and the Dell Vikings and the Coasters and Jerry Lee Lewis and Benny King for the first time ever. Yeah, yeah. very and, different. And, and this album is one that I will say it's I, I, I want to find a, a name for it, but I want to be able to categorize it because I think it's it's going to be representative of two other soundtracks on my list. This is an album that um, the soundtrack came from a movie that took place during this time and featured only songs during that time. You know, Forrest Gump was okay. kind of like that, but not really because that spanned a lot of decades and such. Yep. But like this, you know, Stand By Me came from, I think, the 50s, uh, 50s, 60s time frame, And that's where these songs come from. So it's like a genre soundtrack of, of yep. sorts. And so, yeah, that just a couple more and I'll let you start. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Armageddon, which was amazing oh yeah some great aerosmith songs on it a couple of them were new they did do a little bit of a cheat and they put sweet emotion on here one of my favorite songs on this entire soundtrack is a journey song this was the first journey song that was recorded and released after steve perry left the band with the then lead singer whose name was steve Audrey, which i i loved him he had a great voice he's not with the band anymore but i thought it was just a fantastic song Reservoir Dogs, which is amazing. A, it's a great yep. soundtrack. That movie took place in the 90s, although a lot of that music was based out of the 70s. And then finally, uh, Twister, which I thought maybe no, not this. maybe not the best top to bottom soundtrack, but featured the last really fucking great song that Van Halen recorded with Sammy Hagar, uh, Humans Being, which is Humans Being, yeah, absolutely amazing. So I had to go through my my collection of soundtracks just to kind of see what I had and what I was listening to at the time. And and those are the ones I pulled up. Uh, yeah, I, I'll tell you, it's funny. Um, it's funny you brought that one up. That's a that's an outstanding album. There There's there's Goo Goo Dolls on there. Katie. Yeah, Ray, yeah, yeah. Um, Van Halen's on there. There's actually two Van Halen songs, if I remember correctly. There's like an instrumental one, right? Like Correct. something about the wind. Respect uh, the wind by just Eddie wind. and Alex. Yeah. There's there's a Soul Asylum song on there that I don't think was on any other Soul Asylum album, and it's awesome. I love that one. Um, yeah, that that was a great. I I love that soundtrack for sure. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Shania Twain's so, even on it, and I think that's this right. Is, this is before I think she got like mega popular. Mega, mega, yeah. Well, actually, yeah, and Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham. So that's right. Know, a significant portion of Fleetwood Mac. But anyway, so that's right. my little trip down memory lane. Uh, but I want to give you the honors to kick this off because I'm dying to know what's going to be on your okay. list. So if would, you would, please. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, do you want do you want me to start honorable mention or do you want me to start with number five and no and start number down? five? I, okay. The honorable mention okay. is always the fun one. Okay, all right. So uh, number five, like I said, I, I kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit. All of mine are from 1984, 1985, and 1986. So that kind of pigeonholes me a little bit. Sure. Not not well. I, I pigeonhole myself. Like this was. I didn't do that on purpose. I just kind of. I made my list. So typically, I think I've talked about this on the podcast. Typically what I do is when we have these top fives, I'll go and I'll just kind of rattle stuff off off the top of my head. Maybe I'll go do some research and I and I start with a, a, a bigger list and then I kind of whittle it down and then I put them in order. I think I had on my initial list, I probably had mm, 20, 18, 20, something like that. And then pretty quickly, though, I was able to get down to this five. And just ironically enough, I, I noticed, oh, shit, they're all from three years, three years. <laughs> um, 
So, um, so yeah, th- this one is, I mean, and I'm going to, you know, um, 1984 it's Prince's purple rain. Ooh. Um, wow. I did not expect that to be on your list. Really? Yeah. Th- this album, um, is, is one of those. And I, th- I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but like albums that you can put in and listen to from beginning to end and not skip a song and not get bored. You know, like that's most of the time that is a, a greatest hits album. You know, every once in a while, there's like a, just like yeah. a, a, a stinker song here and there. Um, you know, Van Halen 5150 to me is like the, the, the one that kind of stands above all else where you can literally listen to that. stuff. but even on that one, there's a couple that I like less than others. Sure. Purple rain though, is they're all by Prince. The movie, in my opinion, is not great. <laughs> yeah. The music is way better than the movie. But I mean, you, you've got some absolutely iconic stuff here. Let's go crazy. Purple Rain, I Would Die For You, When Doves Cry. I mean, when you're thinking about Prince's greatest hits, you're going to talk about a couple songs off of this album. Prince, in my mind, this is going to sound silly because he's he's kind of arguably up there on the the if not Mount Rushmore of artists, he's, you know, he's in that conversation, but I still think he's underrated in terms of how good he was as a musician. He, he, he was a prolific writer. He played so many instruments. He was just an incredible, incredible artist. And this is one of those that I actually come back to often. Um, Don't like the movie, but this soundtrack is awesome. I absolutely love Purple Rain 1984. That's a really solid choice. In fact, it might or might not appear on my list at some point. I didn't know you were a Prince fan. I mean, I I feel like I I thought that I knew that you liked and respected him, but I had no idea that you actually actively listened to him. Yeah, I would. I would. I, I, I would not call myself like a mega Prince fan. There's probably three or four albums that I listen to. This one I'll listen to, you know, like I said, beginning to end. Peaches, is it Peaches and Cream? Or I don't even know what the... Um, <laughs> Diamonds and Pearls. Diamonds and Pearls, Peaches <laughs> and Cream. So, you know, um, yeah, see, I'm not a, not a huge fan. So, you, so you're uh, not a diehard fan? Is that what you're saying? But yeah, but but there are a couple albums that... Um, and again, to your point, always, I mean, utmost respect for him as an artist and as a musician. And I can I can totally hear and appreciate the um just how awesome he is as a musician and this one if i had to listen to one prince album this is the one yeah i mean can't argue with it it's uh it's a it is a really great album it's got songs like let's go crazy uh darling nikki which is fantastic purple rain obviously the that that song i would die for you i mean absolutely amazing isn't isn't when doves yeah when doves cry is on here as well so it's just it's crazy how good and how insanely talented that man was. So I've got a story about this soundtrack. So when so this album came out in 1984. So what were we? We were eight, eight. Right. So I wanted to get this album and my my parents were not what you would call hip or cool like they you know what i mean like they so this movie came out and they had they had no idea who prince was or anything like that you know they were my dad you know my dad was they they were older my parents were older so they were still listening to the beach boys in the 50s and elvis and the Beatles, you know that kind of stuff sure um and i remember my one of the neighbors on my street was a friend of my mom's 
and my parents had bought me the Purple Rain album, the cassette, not not an album, the cassette. And she, I remember this very vividly. She came over one afternoon. She was talking to my mom. They were sitting at the kitchen table and I was listening to, you know, that album. And she said, uh, Donna, who's my mom, Donna, do you know, do you know the song Darling Nikki? <laughs> and my mom was like, of course, now what the fuck are you talking? I have no idea what, you know, well, long story short, once Judy, the neighbor, told my mom the content of the song Darling Nikki. Um, what they did was they she recorded a version of Purple Rain of that album without the Darling Nikki song. So she gave mm. me a dubbed version of that. Um, so I probably still have it, like the original OG cassette. So I've got the okay. you know, the you know, out of the package, but it's a dubbed version without Darling Nikki on it. Uh, yeah okay so first of all your neighbor was a bitch that sucks <laughs> that's that's shitty but i can understand that and it's really funny that you sort of bring this story up because i had a very opposite experience that my mom growing up loved prince like if he would have gotten close enough she probably would have run away with him like she absolutely loved his music my love for prince is homage to you know my mother and she knew exactly what he was saying on every lyric on every song, especially on Purple Rain and on 1999, because those out those cassette tapes were played on repeat in her uh, Ford Mustang green drop top convertible that she had when we lived in Texas. And I'm reasonably sure outside of the song Purple Rain, I never got to hear anything else on that soundtrack because uh, it was it's pretty it's pretty graphic. Like, I mean, even yeah. Prince's older stuff, there is some shit on those albums that people don't really listen to the lyrics as much because they're just listening to the music. But like Darling Nikki starts out like the first four lines of this song are, I knew a girl named Nikki. I guess you could say she was a sex fiend. I met her in a hotel lobby masturbating with a magazine. Right. <laughs> and so like, yeah. Yeah, right there. It's like, yeah, maybe not appropriate for the eight-year-old boy's ears. I mean, but the eight-year-old boys wanted to consume that, I guarantee you. Yeah. But yeah, so, that's but that's an amazingly solid choice. And I think that's uh that's a fantastic album. All right. So I I kicked us off. What do you got for your number five, sir? So my number five, my number five and my number four, but my number five is going to be sort of that same. Uh, genre soundtrack specific thing that I was talking about, which is it's a movie that takes place at a certain time. I don't, I wouldn't call it a period piece because it's not a Jane Austen flick, but you know, it takes place in a certain decade that is not near us. And it is full of music that I probably would never have been exposed to unless I had heard this soundtrack. And this is from 1997, which is my absolute latest on there. And it is the movie and the soundtrack for Boogie Nights, yeah. which I think is fucking fantastic. Now, I am I am not a disco fan. I don't love disco. I don't love a lot of songs out of that era. But somehow, and I don't know if it was Paul Thomas Anderson who directed the movie. I don't know who is responsible for putting together the soundtrack. But somehow they managed to put together a series of really, really, really great songs that... I will never be able to hear again for the rest of my life without thinking about Mark Wahlberg and his giant fake dong diving into a swimming pool, getting ready to go talk to John C. Riley and 
talk about Star Wars and tequila shots and all that stuff. Like, it's just, it's so imprinted in my brain that way. I mean, you've got songs like uh, Best of My Love by The Emotions. You've got Jungle Fever. You've got brand this song called Brand New Key by Melanie, who, you know, a lot of one hit wonders, a lot of people who never really did a, a lot more than that. Uh, you've got Sister Christian by Night Ranger. You've got uh, ELO on there. You've got the Beach Boys. I mean, it's just, it is so good. It, it, it is very, uh, Spill the Wine by Eric Burden and War. Like there's some really, really great songs on there that I think maybe one of the marks of a really good soundtrack is whenever you hear any of the songs, like boom, your, your mind goes right back into your body the last time that you saw that movie. And you can even remember the scene that the song is playing in when you're listening to the soundtrack. So, so that's my choice for my number five. It's uh, oh, oh, and before uh, I, I, I pass it back to you for your feedback. Um, it does have, I believe, somewhere on the soundtrack. I'm looking at the track list now, and I'm trying to find it. But it has Mark Wahlberg singing "The Touch," uh, which was a, <laughs> which which to this day still makes me really. Um, it's really bizarre that this was such an obscure song from the eighties that yeah. you and I both know sung by Stan Bush in the Transformers movie. But where did this song come from? Why is Mark Wahlberg singing it in this movie? I have no idea. I think there's a clip of him singing it either on this or volume two. This is one of the two uh, soundtracks on my list that actually was so popular. It, it got a volume two. It got a whole second soundtrack with a whole bunch of other new songs. And yeah, hearing Mark Wahlberg sing, uh, you got the touch is <laughs> so fucking classic. And I still don't know how that happened. Uh, maybe future me went, got a time machine and, and went back in time and told Paul Thomas Anderson to put it in the movie. I don't know, but it was amazing. And I loved it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Mark Wahlberg and I'm, and I'm sure he does it on purpose, but he sings it really, really poorly in, in the movie. I mean, it's not good. I'm reasonably sure he's a terrible singer because I okay. saw the movie <laughs> Rockstar, and I guarantee, guarantee <laughs> all of those vocals were overdubbed by other people. That's, that's true. That's true. Speaking of Rockstar, that has one of my all time favorite songs in there. Colorful by the Verve. Yeah. Um, is, is a tune that he actually sings or Wahlberg's character sings at the end of that song. Amazing. It's actually, I actually really enjoy that movie. I know a lot of rock fans don't, I actually really enjoy that movie, but anyways, not it's, on my list. It's pretty yeah. good. And it's a decent, decent soundtrack. Soundtrack. They, yeah. they kind of pull a Forrest Gump and pulled a lot of like greatest hits that randomly yeah. had nothing to do with it, but. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so so it's funny. Um, when I was talking about movies that I or soundtracks that I disqualified, um, Boogie Nights was one of them, and mm. and maybe maybe it shouldn't have been. Um, it, it certainly doesn't span nearly as much time as Forrest Gump did, because Forrest Gump was, I mean, probably what twenty years, thirty years. I mean, if you yeah. if you include the time when he was a you know younger. Um, Boogie Nights though was another one where, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about Jack, uh, the, the Burt, Burt Reynolds character from when they started versus at the end of the film, spoiler alert, when he's like old and gray and kind of walking through the, walking through the, um, the warehouse of his porn tapes, ironically enough. Um, I, to me that like, that's, that, that's what I thought about initially when I, when I first thought about this and I was like, Oh, okay. That's a, that's a multi, 
decade piece and they took songs not only from disco but they took you mentioned night ranger and those kind of things um so so i disqualified it but it was one of those when i mentioned you know my my first draft of like off the top of my head awesome soundtracks boogie nights was on that list so um, yeah yeah, i I couldn't agree with you more everything you said Um, i actually forgot you mentioned the touch i actually forgot that that was in there and you're right it was classic the the one thing that you really i think nailed was every song on this soundtrack no matter where i know it from i'm always thinking boogie nights when i hear it like yeah. for, forever especially night ranger sister christian yes which um, which i think it, everybody yeah. knew before that iconic yeah. scene where that kids blowing off those fireworks and you've got mark Wahlberg and john c riley and thomas jane and they're sitting there on the couch and this this really intense moment and then they pan to mark Wahlberg and he's just sort of got this thousand yard stare and yeah. leave the camera on him for like a good 30 to 45 seconds. And yeah. it's just like, what is going on here? And that's um, Alfred Molina too, isn't it? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. a great call. Yeah, yeah. Alfred Molina is, is the one that's like, he's all coked up and he's running around and they're, they're listening to Jesse's girl, uh, yeah. which is not on at least, I don't know if it's on volume two, but it's definitely not on volume one, but, but your, your commentary is fair. And I guess I didn't think of it through a whole lot because I might've chosen not to put this on the list because you're right. It does span, it doesn't span decades, but it's probably spans. I don't remember what year it's like it takes place, like what year it started, but they clearly went from the seventies to the eighties at, yeah. you know, and there was, a, there was a big sort of, uh, I'll call it a demarcation scene where it's like, it's the, they do, they have the party where it, you know, it's new year's Eve, 1979 into 1980. And, you know, uh little bill shoots himself and, and like this, this big iconic scene in my opinion. And um so I, yeah, they, they do, span a lot of time i think maybe the reason i like this more is because they didn't go for super obvious songs like they didn't go with top five chart well i don't know i guess i don't i don't know the 70s stuff yeah i'm not really clear on on how successful some of those songs were so they were new to me so i kind of felt like they were maybe less popular but i'm not entirely sure but that's good feedback but still i i love every every song there all right so your Number four, give me, yeah, give me your number four. Number four. So we're staying in 1984. Okay. Um, This is, yeah, I don't don't really know how to introduce these. Talk about the movie. I was going to say, I certainly enjoyed this movie far more than I enjoyed Purple Rain. This is a movie that I have watched regularly. I won't say regularly. I've watched it, I don't know, several times. You and I have watched it together uh, we watched it in college. This is the one that put Kevin Bacon on the map. This is Footloose from 1984. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so, I mean, when you're when you're talking about the 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 soundtrack here, you know, first and foremost, for, foremost, you're talking Kenny Loggins. You're talking the the title track Footloose. Um, but then you've got, I mean, you've got stuff. You know, let's hear it for the boy Denise Williams, which was a huge hit. You've got Almar's Paradise, which. Ann Wilson from Hart and Mike Reno, who nobody really knows. You've got Bonnie Tyler. You've got, um, you've got Sammy Hagar. The girl gets around. Mm-hmm. You've got, uh, you know, I mean, th- this is one of those that there's some ballads in here. There's some super poppy stuff. Um, this one to me is elevated because I really enjoyed the movie and where I was in my life. And um, that movie kind of really spoke to me. 
Um, again, not that I was a preacher's kid and not allowed to dance, but it, you know, but it was like, it was one of those kind of, you know, <laughs> excuse me. It was, you know, it was one of those kind of coming of age movies, um, you know, d- that just kind of caught me at the right time of life. And those, those songs really are kind of ingrained in me. Um, and I actually listened to this. I, I have this soundtrack and I still listen to it with, with some sort of regularity. Um, so yeah, 1984 is Footloose. That's awesome. I mean, you, you, you and I have a very special connection to Footloose and there's no way uh, I could ever say a bad word about that. I mean, I'm pretty sure we danced to the title track many times in college and most yes. notably, certainly at my wedding, which I, mm-hmm. I made sure that that happened. I think you and I were the only ones on the dance. I think the dance floor actually <laughs> fucking cleared out <laughs> like the like the Red Sea, not necessarily out of respect, but maybe partially out of fear uh, to to allow us to dance. And, you know, I, I did my best Kevin Bacon impression. But no, this soundtrack is amazing. This is another one. And, and some of these conversations will will go back to my mother because, you know, she kind of helped to she started to form some of the things that I loved about music back in the eighties when these movies and these soundtracks were coming out. And she listened to this one on repeat, like constantly. And it, what's really funny about it to me is that as the years went on and once we, once I got to college and once I got to know you and I started to become a Van Halen fan and then I realized, Oh, Sammy Hagar is on this soundtrack. Uh, you know, I, I, it, it sort of formed even an additional bond with my mom and I, because she's like, Oh, I love this song. And I'm like, Oh, it, it was a little creepy to know that your mom loves a song called this girl gets around. But um, <laughs> she, uh, she loved that song. And it, it was just, it was really fun to sort of, um, you know, have that connection with her in that moment. And did you know that Sammy Hagar was this close to winning uh, a Tony award? Because Footloose was a Broadway show for a while, and they oh. adapted much of the soundtrack into, you know, into the music yeah. of the Broadway show. And I believe Sammy's song was in there to some degree. Nice. And if that if that had won a Tony Award, because Sammy wrote the song, Sammy would have been a Tony Award winning artist, That's which awesome. is fucking hilarious beyond all recognition. That but is funny. Yes. Yeah. It is a great movie. It is a great soundtrack. Awesome pick. Well done. Thank you. Uh, What do you got for number four, sir? So number four is a movie that I really like, but I do not revisit it very often. But I have to pay ultimate respect to the soundtrack because it was very popular when we were in college. It is the second uh, soundtrack on my list that had a volume two because it was so popular. This was... Uh, Dazed and Confused by Richard Linkletter, or or, he was the director uh, of the movie, but obviously, but this is another album that maybe more fairly has, uh, is a period piece uh, that has a soundtrack that are, that is contained within that period. It doesn't span decades. It doesn't even span uh, a weekend. (laughs) It's, it's all at the same time, but this has got songs by Rick Derringer, Rock and Roll Hoochie Q, of course, uh, Rick Derringer of of uh, real American fame. Uh, Alice Cooper, uh, ZZ Top, Nazareth with Love Hurts, Ted Nugent, Cherry Bomb by The Runaways, uh, Lowrider. This is probably, if memory serves, the first time I ever heard Tuesday's Gone by Leonard Skinner was from 
this soundtrack. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Highway Star by Deep Purple, which is a phenomenally underrated song. Rock and Roll All Night by Kiss, which is uh, obviously their their most famous song. But the one that always takes me back to this movie, the one that I can never, ever hear the introduction of this song without hearing this movie is Slow Ride by Foghat. Like yeah. that. Yeah. Dan 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 yeah. yeah. Every time I hear that, I go back and I think of this movie. It's a it's a fun moving, fun movie. It, it meanders a lot and it just sort of. Uh, it just is, you know, like there's not really a plot. There's not really a point, but it really takes you back to a time period where, um, you know, things were very different. And and there's something kind of romantic about that. And the soundtrack does a spectacular job of complementing that movie, in my opinion. It's a great movie. It's a great soundtrack. It's another one of those that, like Boogie Nights, when I hear a lot of those songs, I'm immediately transformed, you know, right back into watching that movie, whether it was, you know, in Bloomington or what have you. Yeah. I think you, you nailed it. I don't really have anything else to add. That's, that's, that's an awesome, it's, you know, it's funny. It's not one that I revisit often either. And it's not one that I listen. I don't even think I own that soundtrack, but I certainly know and have a lot of those songs kind of in my collection, you know, again, with the advent now of, of digital music, it's much easier to have kind of one song from one artist, you know, mm-hmm. in a playlist. So I have a lot of those songs kind of in my regular rotation. They don't have the playlists, but um, yeah, it's a great, it's an awesome pick. Yeah. I, I love uh It's one of the ones I, I don't, like I said, I don't revisit the movie a whole lot, but the songs always take me back to those moments in the movies. And, and it's just, it's some, it, what a cast, like so many great actors in that cast. And uh, yeah, I it's, can't say enough about it. For sure. All right. Give me your we're at number three. Gosh, we're flying. We're number, well, I don't know if we're flying. We're 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 gabbing a lot, but that's what this it's a fucking yeah. podcast. Of course we're gabbing. It so is. give me your number three, please. Number three. So so at this point, number number two and number three, number one was uh, was easy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was kind of immediate. Number two and number three have flip-flopped a couple times. Uh, in fact, as we were talking about the last film, I just flipped it again. So, so oh. number three, yeah, number number three was actually kind of already mentioned, uh, at least uh, tangentially. This is from 1986. Um, I don't think this one is going to show up on your list, but this one, the the number one track on this one is by none other than Stan Bush. It's the Touch. This is the 1986, <laughs> the Transformers animated the movie the original motion picture track from the transformers love um, it now love it now th- th- this th- there's some like don't laugh if you're not a um you know a transformers like there's some pretty like hard metal like rock songs on here yeah we you've got the touch stan bush but you've got a couple songs by vince decola um, yeah, death of Optimus Prime. Yeah, death death of Optimus Prime. You've got um, the Transformers theme itself. Um, Dare to be stupid by none other than Weird Al Yankovic. Um, and there's heroes. another one by yeah, and then there's another one by Vince Nicola called the Autobots and Decepticon Battle. I I love this. I, th- this is one that I listen to with with some some regularity here. There's another one called Nothing's Gonna Stand in Our Way, and Dare is another one by Stan Bush that I yes. absolutely love. Yes. Um, you know, the, these are those songs where 
you listen to a couple of these songs and they just kind of pump you up and they get you going. I was a swimmer in high school and I put together a mixtape that I would listen to before every single meet to kind of get myself hyped up and get myself going. I would, I would um, press play when I left my driveway and I had it timed so that, um, you know, as I was headed towards school, headed to the pool, doing my warp, my warm up and my workout, the, the songs would just kind of continue to crescendo until kind of my first event. And my first event was uh, directly proceeded with dare by Stan Bush off this album. And it, and it's just like to this day, dare and the touch just pump me up and get me going. And I know people will laugh at me because I'm a transformers geek, but I love this soundtrack. It's awesome. Hey, anything with weird Al on it is yeah. not something that I can, uh, you know, turn a deaf ear to. In fact, I, I now I'm sort of remembering that Weird Al has his own soundtrack for UHF that I didn't put on here. Should at least be my honorable mention, but it wasn't. Um, no, I there's some really great songs on here. In fact, I've got a uh, uh, I've got a playlist for uh, my my weightlifting playlist, which sadly I've got to blow the dust off of. But uh, it's got two songs on it that you would definitely appreciate. One is The Touch and one is Dare. I, I have both of those songs on my uh, exercise playlist because I think they're great. And they're fun. And yeah, I mean, they're cheesy as shit. But it's it's good to have them on there. It reminds me of a time of just <clears throat> being younger and really enjoying these movies. And Vince DiCola is, I, I think he's great. Like he, I don't know that he's done a whole lot. He's, he was very much a part of another very reputable soundtrack that may or may not end up on somebody's list. I don't know. Rocky Four, uh, which is arguably, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's arguable. I think it's easily the best uh, soundtrack of the Rocky series, even though they have other songs and things. But yeah, I think this is great. This is... Uh, it is really weird to see Weird Al on this soundtrack, though, yeah. with with some yeah. of these other songs. And I don't know how that happened. That had to be some sort of a studio. I don't remember what's uh, what label he was on that they maybe they just like, hey, we got to throw him in this movie or something. But um, it, it it's hilarious. But yeah, I like that soundtrack. It's very yeah. good. I remember you have owned this soundtrack on CD a since college. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I remember. I think you bought it in college, probably when we lived together. Might have, might have, yeah, yeah. Might, that could be. You right. had it yeah. for a long time. Long time, yeah. Um, all right, sir. What do you got for your number three? Well, my number three is going to be a little underwhelming because you did already mention it, but it is Purple Rain from 1984. This is uh, this actually might be the only soundtrack uh, of a movie that I don't, I can't claim to have actually seen all the way through. Yeah. There are, not, there it's are, not great. There are. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, I don't. Well, first of all, it was an R-rated movie when I was young in 1984. I was not allowed to watch this movie. And then when I then when I did finally see this movie, I stopped it shortly after the nudity because nothing else was really interesting to me as a kid. Um, but I mean, as I mentioned before, you know, let's go crazy. Darling Nikki, Purple Rain, When Doves Cry, I Would Die For You. There are so many good songs on there. Prince was so hot in the 80s like everybody loved prince i mean obviously michael jackson was the king of pop but prince was i don't know in my opinion on a on a completely different level than michael jackson it, because he wasn't just a vocalist 
He was an incredible musician. He was an incredible composer. He was an incredible weirdo by all accounts. But I mean, it it felt justified because of how good his music was. And and this soundtrack was nothing short of phenomenal. And it's something that I enjoy trying to revisit every chance I get. So yeah, 1984, Purple Rain. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned when we were talking about Footloose, you mentioned your your wedding. Another memory of your wedding that I have was later that evening, we went to the Bluebird and there was a Prince cover band playing. <laughs> yep, and that guy was amazing. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know who was, that was. Me neither, but he, damn, he good. was really, really good. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I talked about before, I, I, I love that song, or I love that album. It is yeah, so great, iconic, great. and it, yeah. I think sometimes it is so good, it, it sort of outshines the fact that it's a soundtrack, I think. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think, I mean, people know it as a soundtrack, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if most people just thought it was an album, because mm-hmm. it, it's, it may be... It, certainly on my list, it may be the prime example of a soundtrack that is better and more well known than the actual movie it came oh, from. Yeah, like I don't, it, I can't think of a lot of examples of soundtracks that are super popular, but nobody really cared about the movie. This is this is the pinnacle. This, this is, is the, the poster child of that. Yeah, it it is it is certainly the one on my list. My honorable mention, maybe, but yeah, absolutely. Um, of my top five, this is absolutely the one that outshines the movie for sure. Absolutely. Nice, nice. All right, well, we're we're trucking through this. Give me your number two. My number two, yeah. So, like I said, I was flip flopping between this and Transformers. This is 1986, which uh, let's see, I believe, yeah, it actually makes it the the um, the newest of my top five in 1986. Let's see, I've already mentioned a couple of the artists on here. This is one where um, I think the movie the movie outshines the soundtrack, even though the soundtrack is awesome. This is 1986's Top Gun. Mm. Um, so, you know, you're talking about, I mentioned Kenny Loggins on Footloose. You got Kenny Loggins, Danger Zone. You've got Cheap Trick. You've oh. got um, you've got Berlin, which is like not my favorite song, but that "Take My Breath Away" might be the most iconic or one of the most iconic songs from this album. Um, you've got Miami Sound Machine. You've got Lover Boy. You've got none other. And my my favorite song on this album is by Harold Faltermeyer. Um, it's the Top Gun anthem. Steve Stevens, who was also Billy Idol's guitar player. Yep. I mean, talk about an iconic riff, an iconic song. I, I absolutely love the Top Gun anthem, but th- this album is another one that you can cut in. I can listen to beginning from end. I'm, I was really glad that they brought back some of the beats and some of the songs into Top Gun Maverick. And uh, yeah, I just, I love the Top Gun soundtrack. That's, that's great. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just let the, let the air out of the balloon. That was my number two as well. So we nice. actually nice. matched our number twos. Uh, yeah. Top Gun is a, is a, yeah iconic is the perfect word for this um you know this movie was huge in the 80s and i think i mean it's probably fair to say although i'm 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 sure somebody would argue kenny loggins was like the king of soundtracks back in the 80s i mean he was doing this he did uh, some songs off of caddyshack i mean he had all kinds of stuff out there and the cheap trick mighty wing song is one of my favorite cheap trick songs which is interesting because 
I don't know if they don't like it or not, but my understanding is that they have never played it live, which is really curious uh, just because it's, it's such a popular song, but you know, some of the other songs on here uh, you know, lead me on. I, I mean, some of them are, are really obscure, but I, I think they're really good. Like it just, it's another one that it, it, really takes you back into the middle of that movie you know lover boys on here uh it's it's funny you mentioned the top gun anthem that i i would have bet my life for many many years that that was eddie van halen playing on that and i thought it was i really did for the longest time uh just so not, did I. not not yeah. being a part of the liner notes and and steve stevens is obviously someone who is uh heavily influenced by eddie van halen because it could have very well been him but um, yeah, this is this is my number two. It's your number two. It is a fantastic fucking soundtrack. It is epic. It is iconic. It is very much in the zeitgeist of the 80s soundtracks. And, and the, uh, it came out with a couple um, uh, expanded editions of it. So like they re-released it in 1999 and put a couple other songs on it that were in the movie, but necess didn't necessarily uh, make the first cut, probably for... Um, for financial reasons, I had to assume, but like Otis Redding's uh, Dock of the Bay, Great Balls of Fire, Jerry Lee Lewis again, because uh, I mentioned him on Stand By Me. And yeah, of course, you've lost that love and feeling by the Righteous Brothers, which is a strange omission from the first version of the soundtrack, right? Because that that's yeah. one of the most, I mean, you can certainly argue Danger Zone is the most iconic song from Top Gun. But I would argue that You've Lost That Love and Feeling is the second most, if not a close second, to uh, Danger Zone. Well, I mean, it's 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 a it's just a super iconic scene from that movie, right? Mm -hmm. You got Maverick and Goose doing their thing and the you know, to 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 kind of woo Charlie, right? Um yeah, I I I I can only imagine that that was just a rights issue because I can't fathom an idea. Uh, I, I can't fathom the conversation where they would leave that off the album on. You know what I mean? Like that. that there's got to be something else going on there. It could have sure. been rights, but I don't even know yeah. if it was that. It, it could have just been like. I, I mean, I I have to think that maybe they didn't know what they had. Like they had no idea maybe. That, that Top Gun was going to be this this thing that was. I mean. Top Gun existed by itself for a very long time until the sequel eventually came just a couple of years ago. And I, I don't know a lot of instances where a movie is that popular, but never gets a sequel, like a single movie that is that popular and never gets a sequel. Like there aren't a lot of them like that. And, and to have a soundtrack that is on par with the movie is pretty incredible. So maybe they just didn't know what they had. And I mean, <laughs> otherwise they would have licensed everything out of that movie as much as possible just to try to get as many dollars as they could. Yeah, for sure. No, you might yeah. be right. Yeah, you might be right. So that was your number two. Yes. That was my number two. Yes. So we're going to skip right to number one. Now I'm yes. dying to know if we have the same one here <sighs> before. Uh, I'm going to guess maybe we don't, but okay. It's not going to surprise me if we do. So, okay. especially given the the very limited number of years right. that you're working with here, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's very um, possible. But, but go for it. Give me, please, yeah, your number one favorite soundtrack. My number one has actually already been mentioned on this podcast tonight. Um, this is 
Rocky Four. Um, oh wow! <laughs> is that your number one too? It it is not my number one. It's not okay. All right, it is not. Okay, so, but I love that I. Well, I don't love that I spoiled it or or, yeah, or no, no. you know called no, you it out it. first. But yeah, I, I think it's great that you brought it up. But please go ahead. Yeah. So 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 Rocky Four. I mean, r- r- the Rocky franchise has some incredible music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you get the Rocky theme here as well. But but this to me is far and away the best soundtrack out of all of the Rocky films. I mean, you've got, I mean, you've got burning heart by survivor. You've got hearts on fire by John Cafferty. You've got eye of the tiger by survivor, which I understand was in Rocky two. Or maybe was it two or three? Uh, I believe that was three. Was it three? three. Okay. Yeah. That was Mr. Um, T. You've got war again by Vince DiColo. You got living in America by James Brown, mm-hmm. no easy way out by Robert Tepper, one way street by go West, the sweetest victory by touch. And then in my mind, the greatest Rocky song ever is by none other than Vince DiColo. We mentioned it's the training the montage. Training montage. Oh. It's, it is, it, it's, it's the one it's where mind blowing. Yes. It's, it's amazing. It is I mean, I, I get goosebumps when I think about it. This is the one where Rocky is up in the hills. He's up in the mountains. He's running through the snow and they're inner and they're interplaying, you know, Rocky going out in the middle of the woods. And then you've got Drago being, being shot up with steroids and he's got the latest and greatest and Rocky throughout this, he's growing a beard. He's, he's picking up rocks. He's, he's going old school and, and they're, it, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, it doesn't hurt that I absolutely love Rocky four. It's my all t- It's my favorite Rocky movie of all the Rocky films as well. And yeah, I just, I love, love, love this soundtrack. I listen to it still to this day. I listen to it regularly and it's another one of those that I can put it on. I can listen to it from beginning to end. Yeah. Rocky four. Absolutely. It's my favorite. Love it. Yeah. It's, it is really, really, really solid. It's uh, it's not my number one. So we will not have a, number one and number two in common, but um, it is a fantastic soundtrack that two of these songs uh, are also on my uh, workout playlist, uh, Burning Heart by Survivor and the uh, No Easy Way Out. God, that song is so good. So amazing. What's interesting to me, and this is just sort of a nerdy fact that, um, Survivor has two songs on here, Burning Heart and, uh, of course, Eye of the Tiger. I don't know why Eye of the Tiger ended up on this because was it in the movie? I'm I don't I don't think it was actually. I don't, I don't think remember it's Eye of the Tiger being in yeah. the movie. But the interesting thing here is that Survivor has had a couple lead singers over the years, and the guy who sang Eye of the Tiger is not the guy who sang Burning Heart. Jimmy Jameson. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Jimmy Jameson sang most of the popular Survivor songs that were not Eye of the Tiger. And okay. he, he's passed away. He's not with us anymore, unfortunately. But he sang, Jimmy Jameson sang, like, I can't hold back. He sang, The Search is Over. He sang, High on You. You may not recognize all those titles, but but Survivor was one of those bands where if you if you just play these, then you'll hear those and be like oh gosh yeah i remember those i remember hearing those on the radio at some point they had a, a pretty high point in the 80s where they were hearing those what's interesting is their label is scotty bros scotty brothers which is actually the same label that weird al was on <laughs> so maybe oh. this and vince DeCola and all of this is tying back to transformers i don't know that's uh 
that's pretty crazy. But yeah, Rocky Four was such a great soundtrack and easily the best one and and very very emblematic of the 80s, right? Like this this uh album and this movie really felt like the 80s. When you listen to it now, you really kind of get transported back to that. So, uh yeah, absolutely. Great great pick. Yeah, thank you. All right. So yours is not an overlap. What do you got for number one? I'm interested. I thought I thought my, we might have had number one and number two as an overlap. I you know what I thought uh, I thought we might have a little bit more too, but no my my number one is from 1985, and it is oh gosh I listened to the soundtrack so much when I was a kid, and it's got some really great songs that uh and some really great artists on here which is interesting but uh just go cutting right to it it's back to the future that was one of my favorite soundtracks of all time the power of love by huey lewis is you know nothing short of iconic he's got another song called back in time which is also pretty good but i really like some of the other songs on this album which maybe nobody else knows there's a song called time bomb town which is by lindsey buckingham from fleetwood mac uh, Eric Clapton has a song on here called Heaven is One Step Away, which I really like. And of course, it's got some of the older stuff, uh, Earth Angel and Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry, that kind of stuff. I I, I just I love this soundtrack. And I think and I'm, I'm cheating a little bit on this one. But one of the reasons I loved this soundtrack so much is that before I really understood how much uh, I loved movie scores. This soundtrack had two different, I think two different cuts. No, maybe just one. No, two cuts by Alan Silvestri, who did the music for this album, who famously has done a lot of albums, including the Avengers, which I know that we've talked about, uh, you know, portals and all that. Alan Silvestri did the score for all three Back to the Future movies and the Back to the Future overture that is on this is so incredibly powerful to me because it it's almost like I I don't I don't think that piece is from a specific scene in the movie. I think the overture is maybe edited pieces of the you know uh, the score all just for one piece because I don't know that they ever envisioned that they would release an entire score for this movie, but it is so good and it is so powerful and it is very moving. And my love for movie scores really, really kicked in the high gear when I heard this, because I would listen to this. I would fast forward on my little Walkman to this, uh, to this song just to listen to it. And it was fantastic. And so What's interesting is when I did a little Google searching for, you know, best soundtracks ever, I rarely found this listed on any of them. And I don't know, maybe I'm way off on this. Maybe this soundtrack wasn't a big one for a lot of people. But for me, it was it was the one that I listened to the most by far. Yeah, no, I it's funny. I, I didn't run across it either in my Googling, but I don't think you're wrong. I guess I would say that I like you, I think I equate back to the future more to the score versus to the soundtrack, maybe with the exception of power of love. Um, but, but no, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think that's an amazing soundtrack and, uh, yeah. And, and obviously, I mean, we've talked about back to the future a hundred times on this podcast. It's an amazing movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense that, you know, one of your favorite films 
um, then has one of sure. your favorite, fa- you know, favorite soundtracks as well, for sure. The only so. thing that I uh, am critical about as it relates to the soundtrack is there was a brief musical piece donated to this movie by one Edward Van Halen. It's, it's not on there, is it? And it's not on the fucking yeah. soundtrack. And that yeah. really pisses me off. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know where that music exists. I don't know if that's uh, I should as a Van Halen nerd know if there's a, a larger version of that that maybe exists in some other format, certainly not on any of their albums, but maybe somewhere else. But yeah, there is a scene in the movie where Martin McFly puts a tape in and it says Eddie Van Halen. And that absolutely is Eddie Van Halen that uh, is playing guitar, probably Alex on uh, drums too. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, that, that would have been a nice way to kind of complete it, but yeah, nevertheless, it doesn't happen. All right. Well, that, that was a good list. We, we get some good, we got some I think good we did great. there. Yeah. But we have honorable mentions. Oh, by yes. the way, there's one more thing. We have honorable mentions. So um, I'm going to ask you yours because mine's going to be sort of not very climactic after your list. But but tell me, okay. what is your honorable mention for your top five favorite soundtracks? This is the only one that is out of the 80s. It's the only one that's out of that um, that three-year period this is one that um to me the soundtrack far and away exceeds the movie movie's not bad but it's not great by any stretch this is this is a soundtrack that like to me is all about college for us those college years so it's grungy it's it's like that sort of stuff this is 1992 singles um, oh that's a great pick yeah you know i love that th- th- yeah, you know, th- this is, you know, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Chris Cornell, Paul Westerberg, Paul Westerberg the Love yeah. Mongers, Mother Love Bones, Soundgarden, Mud Honey, Jimi Hendrix, The Screaming Trees and The Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, if there's if there's an album that isn't more grungy 1990s, I, I just don't know what it is. Some amazing songs on here. One of my all-time favorite Mother Love Bone songs called Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns. Mother Love Bone, mm. if you're not familiar, is kind of effect- effectively the precursor to Pearl Jam. It was Stone Gossard and and um, it was their former band before they before oh. they joined Pearl Jam. Before um, Eddie Vedder, I think. Be, it was, yeah, before I Eddie think Vedder. it was the yeah. same band, wasn't it? Or maybe not. It was. It was with the ex- yeah, with the exception of Eddie. I'm pretty sure yeah. it was the same yeah. band. Yeah, right. And and then uh, Wood uh, with Alice in Chains. I'm a huge Alice in oh. Chains fan. Dyslexic Heart. I mentioned Paul Paul Westerberg. There's a great mm-hmm. Zeppelin cover on here by the Lovemongers, The Battle of Emmermore. And you know um, who the Lovemongers are, right? Uh, I I would have to Google it. I don't know off the it's, top of my head. It's now. Anne and Nancy Wilson. That's it is Hart, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, it's Anne and Nancy Wilson with uh, a couple other musicians. So it's not Hart proper, but yes, okay. it is uh, It is Anne and Nancy Wilson who yeah. have a very strong attachment to that Um you know, like to the Seattle grunge, you know, yeah. era. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, not, not an awesome movie. I mean, it's a movie I've seen a, I don't know, a half dozen times or whatever, but in my mind that the, the, the soundtrack far and away is, is way better than movie. Oh yeah. I, I, th- I mean, I would agree with that. I would say it's a pretty popular movie for a, a subset of diehard grunge fans. I mean, I think that's probably fair to say. And of course, you know, Eddie Vedder is in the movie. So you've got a lot of Pearl Jam. You've got uh, Chris Cornell Seasons is on there. I'm surprised you didn't call that yep. out. That is 
in my opinion, the best song on that album. Uh, I think that song is absolutely phenomenal, but uh, it's got, um, you know, Paul Westerberg is the lead singer from The Replacements, and they've got some really great songs. I love those guys. It's got some Jimi Hendrix, which is a little bit out of character, I think. It's got Billy Corgan on there. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's a phenomenal album. It's, if you're a fan of 90s grunge, and I imagine at some point in our lives, there will be sort of a resurgence of that, right? Like, because with the 80s, uh, there, there's a resurgence of that, that, you know, everything that goes away comes back. And I mm -hmm. imagine at some point grunge will come back and, and there will be a new wave of, of people, probably teenagers that listen to some of this music, whether it's Nirvana or Soundgarden or whoever, and, and really connect to this music. I think this soundtrack is really going to blow their minds. Like, I don't think this soundtrack is done having an impact on listeners out there. It just, yeah. you know, it's, or it's, it's waiting for the next evolution of what's to come. Yeah. It, it would, it would, yeah, that's a good point. It would not shock me to see this pop up again. One of these days for sure. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Uh, all right. What do you got? Yeah. My honorable mention is going to be very underwhelming. So I, I'm sorry in advance, but it's, it's Rocky four, man. I put that yeah. on my list. So yeah. we, we talked at length about that already. It's, it's my honorable mention. It's your number one, but Rocky four, man, what a great soundtrack. And uh, it's just, it's, it's one of those that it's, it definitely does such a good job of complimenting the movie that it's a part of. And uh, I, I love some of the survivor songs on there. I just, I think they're great. And uh, John Cafferty's hearts on fire, man. I mean, that just fires me up. It really does. And yeah. So, I mean, it's, I can't really say too much more about that. I actually, I'll ask you a question rather yeah. than make a comment. Did you see any of the Creed movies? Uh, I saw the first Creed movie and I've seen bits and pieces on YouTube of everything else. I've not okay. seen the other movies. I was curious whether you watched Creed 2, which featured Michael B. Jordan's character of Apollo Creed's son versus uh, Drago's son. Drago's son. And yeah. there is a scene in there which I think could have been iconic. Maybe it wasn't where Rocky and Drago square off. Not they don't square off, but they they meet again and they have in a the, conversation in the restaurant. I've in seen, the restaurant. Yeah, I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I've seen I, that. I thought it was a pretty good scene. I, I wished it could have been more, but I understand, I guess, why it wasn't. But I, I thought that was pretty interesting. I wasn't sure. Yeah, you saw it. yeah. I you know it's funny. I um the. the I actually probably need to sit down and invest some time and, and go back to Rocky, just the franchise. And and I would include Creed in that too, because yeah. I know there's, there's a lot of those movies that um, like, I kind of stopped. Like, it's going to sound weird. I kind of stopped paying attention after um, Rocky beat the shit out of Tommy gun. Um, and, oh, and I know that, really? you know, and I, yeah. And I know like Balboa was amazing and I know Creed and the Creed. Did series. you see it though? Did you see I did. Balboa? I, okay. I did see Balboa. Yeah. It um, was amazing. It was yeah, so it was, good. Yeah. But I, I do, I need to sit back down because when I, when I watched Balboa, I had watched it after it got all of the accolades and, and it was one of those where it was one of those films where you hear nothing but amazing things about it and you go yeah. into it with like these elevated expectations 
And no matter what you get, it's not going to live up to those expectations. Right. And I need mm-hmm. to go back and watch it again with an objective, gl- with objective glasses on and just, and let's kind of watch it for what it was. And I think I could probably like enough time has passed that I could probably go and do that now. And like I said, even Creed, I watched that first one and I enjoyed it. And I just never kind of kind of got around to what is there three now, three or four in the Creed series? There there are three. And in um the third movie, he fights uh, I don't know if it's his brother or it's I, I don't remember who what the relation is. I never saw the movie, but it's Jonathan okay. Majors. It's it's yeah. Oh, Kang. that's right. Yeah. He fights Kang. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I mean by all accounts, the Creed movies are really good. I, I've yeah. only seen part of the first one. I've not seen anything else. Um, okay. it, it's it's one of those series that it's like, well, if 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 Rocky's not going to be a prominent part of it, then it kind of takes. A, I mean, I'm glad they call it Creed. It's not called Rocky Eight or whatever, right. but it, it 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 doesn't resonate as much with me if Rocky's not in the movie and he's not in the third movie. Like, I don't know. Not if at all. I don't know if they okay. kill. I don't think they killed him. I don't know what they did with the character, but he's okay. not in the third movie, but he's in Creed and he's in Creed two, I believe. Okay. So I know my, my mother-in-law absolutely loves that series. Like loves the Creed yeah. series more than, more than Rocky. She likes the Creed series. So uh, she's been trying to get me to watch them and I just, I just haven't got around to it yet. So, yeah, but yeah, I think uh, I, uh, we'll see where it goes from here. I don't know, yeah. but the Rocky four, what a soundtrack. Can't say enough about it. Awesome. Well, this, this was a fun list. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that you texted me today. I'm very glad you came up with the, I mean, just like off the cuff, it wasn't something that we needed to do a ton of research on. Um, like I said, I was able to kind of put my list together in, I mean, 20 minutes it took me. So, and, and I don't, and I'm glad um, I'm glad that we had some different stuff, but I don't think like there wasn't anything that came up that I was like, Oh shit, I totally should have put that on my list. Like I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with my list. Yeah, um, I would agree. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't anything that I really was like, Oh, I totally forgot that one, which is good. But I'm also glad that we, um, that what we, we only had one overlap, which is good. So that's always exciting. I like, I like to hear kind of differences of opinion and kind of see where we differ. Um, yeah. those kind of things. Yeah, this so. was a good one for sure. I loved it. So, uh, so let's see real, real quick. And then we can wrap it up. Uh, we got, it's, it's getting towards wrestling season here, right? Ooh, the rumble it is, up. it um, is and some since, shit, shit is brewing some, some, so, so the last time we talked and I'm pretty sure it was on the last episode, we had a brief conversation and I believe I mentioned the fact that we were talking about the Roman Roman reigns and how they were going to get the title off him. And I think I mentioned that I, the only way I could see that ending was to have the rock come back. Yep. And sure enough, since we had this, that conversation, the rock showed up on Monday night raw. They were in San Diego, I think. And among other things among, you know, just destroying Jinder Mahal in a, in a promo right as he's walking out of the arena he mentions that he's going to go grab a bite to eat tonight should he sit at the bar should he sit at the table nope he's going to sit at the head of the table which obviously is a nod to roman Reigns. so i i I fully believe that that's where we're headed i think that we're going to get that at wrestlemania the the real question in my mind is do they get the title off roman in between now and then do they take it off him at the rumble what does that look like and we we talked about it in the last podcast. 
it's the greatest time of the year to be a wrestling fan between it now is. and WrestleMania. And the fact that I don't know what's going to happen, I fucking love. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I'm really trying to figure out where I come down with all this because I love the rock. I think he's great. He's the most uh, enigmatic character that this uh, business has ever had, but I don't love so my gut reaction, my initial reaction is I don't love this. I don't want him coming back fighting Roman for the title in WrestleMania. Now, that may or may not be what actually happens. I would be surprised if they take the title off of him before WrestleMania because he's had it for so long. Like, you, I feel like you got to make that a spectacle, right? Like, if you're going to take the title off of him at this point, you got to make it happen on the biggest show. And if you do that, it can't be The Rock. It just can't be. I, it doesn't make any sense to do that. So I'm curious to know where this is going. But as I think I mentioned on the last podcast, the one thing I love about this time of year and the one thing that I appreciate about the modern day WWE is that every time I think I know where they're going, I'm wrong. And they end up swerving me in a way that I might not always agree with, but I'm really happy to be wrong. I love going into a movie like uh, I remember the Star Wars movies and thinking, oh, geez, I know exactly where this is going to go. And and I was wrong. And I was I was, you know, it's interesting. The Last Jedi was like that. Like my first impression of the Last Jedi was, oh, I really liked it because nothing in there was what I expected. That soured on me a little bit after a while. But the idea of it just, you know, constantly surprising me is the best part about everything. And that's why the Royal Rumble is the greatest way to kick off the season, right? Because you've got this match where you have 30 guys that come in and out of that. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason for how they're going to work this one out. And, and I'm hopeful that it's going to be something that even I couldn't have put together. And if it is, then, you know, bravo. Yeah. Yeah, so we we've uh, I, I imagine we will revisit and we will talk about wrestling uh, over the next couple podcasts here. Like I said, I'm excited. I can't wait. Um, I've got some travel coming up for work. I know you've got some some family stuff, so we're not going to be able to get together for the Rumble, which is fine. Um, yeah. But I met. We'll we'll definitely trade texts and and uh, let's see. It's January 11th. I think the Rumble is the 27th, 28th, something like that. 27th. Okay. Yes, yeah, so we got uh, what is it two two weeks from next Saturday, I guess. Yeah. So uh, it's so it's coming, and then we're we are smack dab in the on the road to WrestleMania, which I can't wait. It's going to be so it. exciting. Yeah, it, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and John Cena is sitting right above me. He sits on uh, my desk. So, uh, so I, it's, I almost want him it's almost time. I want to get back to Indiana. I, if <laughs> if anything, I just want you to have an excuse to put him in your car and, and drive him and over drive here. him i will gladly make that trip my friend i will I gladly that. make that trip all right uh that being said that's mr pip i'm chewy this has been the 411 from 406 we'll talk to you soon folks later adios